0: Welcome to The per spectrum I'm Nathan Seelove. And I'm Michael Bloom. And today we got some very important topics to talk about that will be difficult to talk about in some ways because it involves a lot of...
1: Insanity. Crazy, Total craziness.
0: Yeah, crazy conspiracy insanity. Uh, we're going to talk about the RNC. Then we're going to talk about the QAnon conspiracy theory, which... I've been thinking about us doing a segment about this for a while, but I've been mm-hmm. hesitant to do it because I don't want to give them too much attention because yeah. they, they don't, don't deserve, deserve it. It. Yeah, they don't deserve it. But at this point, a lot of their ideas are starting to become more mainstream, and I don't think we can ignore it any longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're going to finish by talking about the DNC. So hopefully it will be on a slightly higher note that we will be ending Uh, but before we start that uh, we do have a few housekeeping items
1: yeah so first of all we are uh, in the past we've usually recorded on Mondays and then we put out the episode on Tuesday nights or Wednesday mornings Um, because of Nathan's evening class schedule um, teaching a couple classes in the evening Monday Tuesday we're now going to be recording on Wednesday evenings and putting out the pod as fast as possible after that
0: That also means that it won't be quite as much of a let's talk about last week like Mm -hmm. it normally is. So we can actually talk a bit more about events this week because we'll be recording in the middle of the week.
1: Yeah, it should be good. Um, Another note is that uh, you will not be hearing from me this coming week or the week after because I'll be on vacation. Um, So Nathan will be putting together some, some dope episodes in the meantime.
0: Yeah and I'll 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 find some uh, uh I I do have some potential guest co-hosts in mind to make sure there's still a nice lively conversation so make sure to stay tuned for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They're going to be great episodes. I'll be listening um you know in
0: our little vacation house in Maine.
1: So, it'll be good.
0: Yeah. All right. So, before we get started talking about the RNC, Let's get let's get an update on the covid numbers, because, I mean, considering what I've heard at the RNC, how brilliantly Trump <laughs> has single handedly just d- destroyed the coronavirus. Yeah. You know they I mean, based on what they told me, he actually put on boxing gloves and he killed every single last covid19 virus mm-hmm. except for the I'm ones that he sent back to
1: china you know because <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm assuming that that means that it's all over and we can stop quarantining and that you and i right now are actually talking in person
1: hmm. yeah that, that would are we be, uh, are we talking in person right no, that, now that that would be a bad assumption that would, that would be a, a oh, terrible would be. leap Yeah,
0: but but I've been but I've been watching the RNC. I what else could I possibly think
1: (laughs) Um, uh, to borrow from our RNC partners? um, Fake news. (laughs) (laughs) So in the world at this point, we've got 24.3 million cases, which is a 10 percent increase over last week. We've hit 828,000 deaths worldwide, which is a 7% increase over last week, and we're at 16.8 million recovered, or a 14% increase over last week, with a total of 69% of total cases recovered. So you may notice, if you're paying close attention um, to our review of the numbers each week, that those are all actually worse than we've seen in like the past three weeks. Um, So they've all ticked up by a couple of percentage points. as uh, compared to the past couple weeks, which is crappy. On a slightly brighter note, in the US, things are actually starting to look the same. But when the world is going in a different direction, maybe we're doing a little bit better than our neighbors. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've hit 6 million cases at this point, which is a 7% increase over last week, which is pretty similar to the weeks before. at this point, we've hit 183,000 deaths, which is a 5% increase over last week. Um, now, we haven't done this in a while, but I just wanted to, to give a shout out to coronavirus for stepping it up in the rankings. So if deaths of, uh, from COVID stopped right now, um, it would still be the third leading cause of death in the U.S. That's, behind, that's just behind heart disease and cancer
0: oh ouch
1: yeah guys this is not a freaking flu
0: yeah hey remember the first episode that we ever did about coronavirus Mm.
1: yeah i remember what was was the title
0: of that episode
1: (laughs) this is not the flu (laughs) yeah we we told you so yeah which we did at the beginning of march
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah before Back when Trump was still calling it a hoax. Yes. Yeah. It was definitely not that. Two idiots on a podcast <laughs> called it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Along with literally millions of other people. It's not like they had to like yeah. you know, listen in to this Rinky Ding podcast to get the real the real truth. It was literally exactly. everywhere. Yeah. Um, But at this point in the U.S., we've had 3.3 million recovered, which is a 10% increase over last week, and a total of 55% of cases in the U.S. have recovered at this point. So we are doing slightly better than the rest of the world, but that's only because the rest of the world has gotten worse. Uh, We're pretty much flat compared to the last few weeks.
0: Yay! Another Another extremely disappointing thing that came out this week... um, And this will be my transition into talking about the RNC. So a poll came out from CBS. uh, It was a CBS News uh, News YouGov poll. And it found that 57% of Republicans in the United States say that the death toll for coronavirus is acceptable. Hey, Michael, what was that death number again?
1: That's 183,000 deaths?
0: Yeah. Yeah. 183,000 deaths. So a majority of Republicans are apparently more focused on preserving their own ideology, preserving their own worship of Donald Trump, than they are about caring about human life. Yeah. I, I mean. the aren't these the pro-life people, Michael?
1: (laughs) Only pro-innocent life, which is exclusively before birth. (laughs) No, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, the thing is, uh, it's one of these themes in our podcast. When people tell you who they are, you should listen. The fact that um, a lot of elected Republicans are against, you know, single-payer and government-supported healthcare programs and, like, trying to get as many people in on, like, healthcare as possible tells you that, what they care about is you know these policies more than the lives of Americans, because thousands of people die because they don't have access to health care you know there's unlike you know the the leading cause on that list is heart disease, which has like genetic components but is like strongly linked to the obesity crisis in the u s like there are real things that we are neglecting as a nation that tell us that we care about life less than we should
0: yeah. and obesity is heavily linked to poverty because mm-hmm. when you live in poverty you have less of an access to nutritious food and look i think the biggest misconception about obesity is that it comes from gluttony mm-hmm. rather than like malnutrition yeah. that's just that's just fact yeah so programs that are dedicated to, con- to uh, fighting poverty are also connected to that yeah and re- And elected Republicans are against that. Mm
1: -hmm. But if you think that the COVID deaths are fine, and if you think that it's fine that tons of people die from obesity-related illnesses that are linked to poverty, then no wonder the biggest problems on the Republican minds are are Democrats being a little too scary.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so if you'll believe what the RNC has told you, in the last 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Joe Biden is a socialist mm-hmm. <laughs> and a progressive and a communist. He's. <laughs> and an anarchist. He, and an anarchist. <laughs> and yeah. an authoritarian. Mm-hmm. And. And he apparently is too soft on crime he's going to empty the prisons and let everybody out but he's also too hard on crime because of the crime bill yeah oh and if you'll believe donald trump he wants to raise your taxes to 90 Mm percent and he wants to abolish religion apparently that's another that's another thing yeah that was a huge that's another claim that they made a huge thing that he's going to destroy your churches yeah he's a catholic yeah (laughs) I am actually secular. I am actually an atheist Mm -hmm. and I don't even want to abolish religion.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There were a few like really big themes that kind of stood out to me from a lot of the speeches. Um, And we'll talk about, you know, a lot of a number of the speeches in, in more detail, but the things that stood out to me were kind of like um, a few major ones. First of all, that Trump is equivalent to American greatness. Like if you believe America is good, then you have to vote for Trump. Um, the second thing which I was surprised to hear, but in in retrospect, I guess makes sense, was that a number of people mentioned Trump as like a good family man and like a great listener and just like an all around good guy. And I was I was like astounded to hear that in description of the man that we all know and despise. But if you think about what a typical, you know, convention might look like there's a lot of that kind of praise yeah and so it's like
0: yeah
1: which leads me to kind of another theme i feel like people wrote their speeches for like you know a few years ago or a few months ago before like everything in the world has changed and so like
0: yeah
1: you know they 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 slandered you know um or they they tried to slander Biden by calling him all these names that really don't apply in any way and it's like they wrote yeah. their speech expecting a, like a bernie candidate yeah. <laughs> and just but substituted even, Biden instead
0: but even if it was bernie most yeah. of it would still be totally like erroneous BS. yeah i mean first off we've talked about on this podcast the difference between socialism and social democracy mm-hmm. honestly I mean, what they think socialism is is not even what socialism is. But, like, Bernie Sanders is not even a socialist. Yeah. In fact, he's not even a democratic socialist, or at least his policy platform is not one of democratic socialism. It's one of social democracy. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, at this point, if you think that Joe Biden is a progressive, you're misinformed. Yeah. If you think he's a socialist, you need to learn how to think critically. Yeah. If you think he's a communist, you're an idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. And look, I understand that that is not a persuasive message, that that is not a persuasive way <laughs> of appealing to people, of reaching out to people. But at this point, if you honestly, to your core, believe that Joe Biden is a communist, yeah. you are too far gone. Yeah. So I feel no guilt whatsoever in saying, you're an idiot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed was that they, they seemed to be trying to keep um more moderate republicans from defecting um so like in uh in jim jordan's speech like uh towards the beginning um he kind of lists out a list of like the enemies right like he talks about joe biden and the democrats and and specifically calls out the <clears throat> never trumpers as like a group of of like bad people um as like traitors to Republicans. And, and a lot of other Republicans kind of shied away from talking about Trump really much at all. Like they would usually mention like, and that's why we have to vote for Trump. Um, but, but a number of them talked mostly about, you know, Republicans being the alternative to the evils of Democrats and then trump being the only republican you can vote for
0: <laughs> one of the biggest themes that i noticed was insert joe biden insert aoc insert yeah. nancy pelosi insert democrats wants to destroy america yes and here's the thing about that Anytime a person is making that argument mm-hmm. whether they're on the left or the right that my political opponent wants to destroy america you can't trust them. Yeah. That's that's a complete weaselly straw man. Look, mm-hmm. I hate most elected Republicans and I especially hate Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't think they don't want to destroy America. I think they're profiting quite a bit off of America. Yeah. They don't want to destroy it. They just want to make sure that America is a place that works for them and not everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like, you can't have that happen and simultaneously destroy America. Mm-hmm. So, like, the whole idea of their end goal is just, I'm going to destroy America for the sake of being evil. Yeah. That makes no sense. Does, yeah. Like on its face, when you start to question it, what is the end game? And if the end, and if the, the response is like, oh no, it's just because they're evil and they hate me. Mm-hmm. That's like, again, that is the language of a cult. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's true. One, one person, one speaker that I thought um, had a, a very good emotional appeal um, that kind of tied together those um, themes more effectively than others was actually um, Maximo Alvarez, who I think is the CEO of Sunrise Gasoline. So when you realize that he's like <laughs> part of like fossil fuel industry, he loses a bit of credibility. But he talked a lot about hmm. like fleeing um, communism in Cuba. And, I did see that, yeah. And I thought, like, I thought his speech which was fairly fact-free um i will say (laughs) was but was like a good emotional appeal and i should say an effective emotional appeal basically saying that he's heard these kinds of promises before and trying to make the historic claim that these kinds of promises always lead to um you know economic strife starvation all that kind of stuff and people just going for power. Um, yeah. So like it was, it was interesting because I was conflicted. I was at, at one time disagreeing with like everything he was saying, but he was really effective. I thought at, at appealing to like my pathos
0: comparing Castro to Biden yeah. is just idiotic.
1: It doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
0: Like the moderate democratic policies that he, that Biden is fighting for is to the right of most European countries. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, even if it was Bernie Sanders, like the same promises of Bernie Sanders have been implemented successfully in several countries that are not authoritarian.
1: Yeah. The idea that um, like tyranny is the inevitable result of these policies is pretty antiquated. Like that may have been true when what required uh, what was required to implement or attempt to implement these policies was a violent overthrow by, you know, a uh, Populist type dictator um, But that's no longer the case like we have figured out how to make a lot of um, Policies that work for the working class work throughout the world. And so, you know, the idea that in order to get food and health care to your average person you need to have a violent revolution that results in a totalitarian dictatorship is is just silly
0: yeah that only happens when people get super super desperate yeah you know the type of revolution that they're afraid of that happens when you have say a ruling class that refuses to give any ground legally so people feel they have to take it violently by force yeah so Hmm. Interestingly enough, <laughs> interestingly enough, the way you can save yourself from that is by electing someone who actually solves those problems yeah. rather than continuing to exacerbate them with a system of unchecked capitalism that just leaves people behind.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Another another fun little highlight of the evening was uh, my favorite Florida fascist, Matt Gates. <laughs> um matt gates had a very just had a nice little appeal with some classic racism <laughs> um, first off he hilariously uh, claimed that joe biden was going to be controlled by alexandria ocasio cortez
1: mm. yeah and, which is why she got 60 seconds to speak right
0: <laughs> yeah and he and he, he compared the uh the platform that biden was putting forth uh, to a horror film he said they'll disarm you empty the prisons lock you in your homes and invite ms 13 to live next door yeah and the police aren't coming when you call in democrat-run cities they're already being defunded yeah. disbanded yeah so a lot a lot of things to unpack there yeah i mean uh <laughs> to start off the fear-mongering Yeah. The fear mongering, the classic Democrats are coming for your guns, which look, you can argue that Democrats do support an assault weapons ban, which is something that we've talked about on the podcast before, which I would argue against, but it's not that they're coming for all your guns. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden does not support mandatory buyback. Mm -hmm. So, so that's a straw man. Yeah. Uh, They'll empty the prisons. Again, you can't in the same convention criticize him for being the person who wrote the crime bill, which is a legitimate criticism, while also saying that he's going to empty the prisons. Yeah,
1: he's not going to empty the prisons.
0: He's not going to empty the prisons. <laughs> yeah. He's going to, like, at most, he's going to let nonviolent violent drug offenders mm-hmm. free. Yeah. With policies that include re-entry programs mm-hmm. and such so that's so that's a straw man lock you in your homes huh interesting wasn't it isn't it republicans that support the curfews that have been keeping people locked in their homes to protect them against primarily peaceful protests so that so that's an interesting one uh and invite ms-13 to live next door so there's some you know fun little race baiting right yeah. there yeah yeah and then, of course, equating defunding the police to disbanding the police, which Biden doesn't even support defunding the police, mm. but defunding the police is not the same as disbanding the police. So, God, none of this is.
1: Yeah, ugh. but but all of those themes were bells ringing throughout the whole convention, like yeah, the, you know, the racial racial dog whistling, the fear mongering about them, you know, invading your neighborhoods and making you unsafe and you know the the 911 going to voicemail and all of this stuff was was an appeal to say if you're not worried about socialism be worried about them like making you unsafe
0: yeah and one thing that i noticed is uh when there were people of color that were speaking mm-hmm. they made sure to make that a part of their story which as someone who is a progressive who does care about diversity and does care about the diversity of the American experience and making sure that people tell their stories and mm. tell talk about their experiences based on their identities that's something that i find very appealing and very powerful yeah. but i thought that they were against identity politics mm-hmm. i thought that the whole like the whole message was that Democrats were racist for bringing up race. Mm-hmm. So that was confusing to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, some of my favorite parts were when they were trying to totally rewrite the COVID history, just just lying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: especially especially uh, Junior out there on stage, uh, who is eerily, like he moves very similarly to Trump. I don't think I've ever watched him give a speech.
0: He and looked it was, high. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm I'm serious. I don't mean this as a like that's the substance of list criticism, but he had the most bloodshot eyes I'd ever seen. He looked like he was high. I mean you gotta I don't, get I don't know what was
1: going up to on. give a speech to an empty room. <laughs> I don't I he don't and know He his know girlfriend what the light, both <laughs> was lighting.
0: God his oh my god, can we talk about guilfoyle for a yes, sec?
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, so let me just let me just give some advice what so the heck? I, <laughs> So I'm an instructor of public speaking. And one of the things that I tell my students is that you got to treat every speech like a conversation. And there are a lot of people that when they're speaking in front of a large crowd, they're very tempted to just start screaming all energetically. And look, sometimes it works. If you do it correctly, sometimes it can work. You know, sometimes you can turn it you can turn that energy into projection rather than just screaming, talking at yeah. people.
1: Adolf was, so, was notoriously effective at those kinds of speeches.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Which, you know, no relation to what we're currently talking. about. Nope. Totally. Or just the people were rhetorical. Currently talking about. Yeah. Just but rhetorical. Just, <laughs> just a rhetorical. <laughs> um, but like, it really doesn't work when there isn't a crowd.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: like it just looks weird. Yeah. And awkward.
1: Yeah, if, if you haven't watched this, definitely go watch it. It is one of the more awkward experiences. My mouth was literally hanging open the whole time. And and not only because of her delivery, but also because of a number of the things she said. But Yeah. It was like and, and my favorite parts, so periodically it's it, it looked like someone had told her that when you say things about Trump, make sure to smile. Because yeah. she'll be like looking really mad and yelling and then start talking about Trump and her, her upper lip will like peel back over her teeth. And it's so clear that she's trying to smile, but it looks like (laughs) she's just like grimacing and like (laughs) exposing her teeth. Like, yeah. Like someone trying to like intimidate someone else. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. Yeah. The,
0: uh,
1: the part, Uh, the part that really irked me about her speech though, like that, like first really got my attention. I mean, it was full of garbage. Um, but the the thing that really got me was at one point she said, quote, as a first generation American, I know how dangerous their socialist agenda is. My mother, Mercedes, was a special education teacher from Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. My father, also an immigrant, came to this nation in pursuit of the American dream. So she's specifically trying to call out the relationship between um, South and Central American countries by like she, she very specifically like put a um like spanish accent on aguadilla puerto rico and like is trying to connect puerto rico to south and central american countries that have had problems with communism and socialism the problem Pu-
0: puerto is rico's th- part of the united states puerto
1: rico's part of the united states exactly like,
0: <laughs> and has you?
1: never had that has never had a like a violent socialist revolution it it revolted against spain in like the uh, the nineteenth century, like it, she just. Yes.
0: I guess I, I guess she's banking on Americans to mistake Puerto Rico for Cuba.
1: Literally, yes, <laughs> she is just banking on people being just ignorant of geography and a bit racist. <laughs> and the other the other funny part about that is that, um. So like, yeah, Puerto Ricans are American citizens, and her dad. You know, when, when she references her mom being from Puerto Rico and her dad also being an immigrant, you may be thinking, oh well he's you know, maybe she's trying to refer that he's an immigrant from, you know, uh some disadvantaged country or something like that. Nope. He's Irish. <laughs> and like unless also it's the a tyrant country that Brits. has not had a communist revolution. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it was just total trash. What the trash. hell is going
0: on? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. This is a circus. It's a total circus. Look, I would say that Joe Biden is the luckiest man in the world. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that this is the crap that he's running against. I would say that if it weren't for the fact that, I mean, the 2016 RNC was not much better. Mm -hmm. And we all know the tragic end of that story.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: So Yeah. I just... Like,
1: <laughs> the other thing that I thought was, like, it kept striking me throughout the whole thing. Whenever I, I would hear people talk, they would be making these points that I thought for sure should end with, and that's why I'm voting for Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Even, like, the McCluskeys, who, who we'll talk about in a minute, said that blanks, vision for America is a country where you have opportunity to work hard and build a life you dream of with a job you love, with your Children being educated in great schools in the community where your family can play in the backyard without fear. That's like, oh, man, that is definitely like the Biden platform in a lot of ways, like good Mm -hmm. education, uh, you know, good jobs, all these things. Nope. Apparently they think that that's what Trump is going to deliver on.
0: (laughs) One of the strategies I think that the Republican Party is using Mm -hmm. is Trump is embodying true fascism at this point yeah he is gassing peaceful protesters so that he can do a photo op Mm -hmm. he's sending uh secret police into states in order to round up protesters indiscriminately yeah i mean he is constantly pathologically lying about every single possible thing Mm -hmm. and on top of that the rnc didn't even create a new platform yeah like their platform it originally was just going to be copy and pasted from 2016 and they would just write 2020 on it which didn't really work because there was a lot of references to how the sitting president destroyed the economy Mm. and uh embarrassed (laughs) us around the world to our allies it would be a
1: little too accurate yeah
0: yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) can't have that in the republican national uh platform yeah um so they decided to just scrap that, and the platform is just reelect Trump. So think about we have, yeah. yeah. So we have a party which has no actual platform. It their only platform is consolidating mm-hmm. around a far right character. Yeah. If only there were some type of word that we could use to describe that. Hmm. Is it fast?
1: Is it fastism? No, no,
0: that's not it. No, that's not it. So, like, so I think the issue is when when Democrats point that out, when Democrats justly point out the fact that he is behaving like a fascist, they turn around and say, okay, well, fine. Biden is behaving like a communist. Mm -hmm. So, a person sitting down and watching these two, these two, like parties go at it we'll just hear this person is a, this party is accusing the right wing party as being of being the the far right extremist and this party is accusing the left wing party of being the far left extremist mm-hmm. so they're probably both equally bad wrong yeah they're either equally wrong or equally right, yeah, which is actually kind of a clever strategy, sure yeah if I mean, you're a terrible I mean, person think about the fact that.
1: One of the two major parties running to run this country for four years doesn't, hasn't been able to put together a plan for, for, during th- a pandemic. Yeah, for the, like, it could be as easy as, like, stop coronavirus, recover economy. Like, it, like, you could probably just start with that and it would be okay. But like, yeah, they can't even get together or they refuse to get together or they don't think it's necessary to put together a plan for making our country better, which is really scary. It means that they either are so inept and such terrible mismanagers that they don't know what they want to do, they don't know what they should do, or they just don't think it's that important to make things better for us.
0: Yeah. One of the best examples of projection, I think, came from uh, Rona McDaniel, uh, who is currently helming the, the Republican National Committee. mm mm-hmm where she basically made the argument that the democratic platform the democratic national convention was not about policy substance it was all about talking about how great biden was talking about he he was a nice guy mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like really they actually have a platform yeah. you don't your platform is reelect donald trump
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so as always the opposite is completely true. And look, in a lot of ways, I was really annoyed by the DNC. In a lot of ways, I was disappointed and angry at several parts of it. And at one point, which I'm, you know, we'll talk more about this later. I started straight up thinking, God, why am I going to vote for these guys? Hmm. And then I started watching the RNC, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why. Hmm.
1: So now it's time for one of our more
0: lighthearted segments, Tips for Good. So, Nathan, why do we do Tips for Good? We do Tips for Good every week because of that wet-ass P-word. Oh,
1: that's a surprising turn of events. (laughs) 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 And because that... (laughs) makes I the world about you, a ben better shapiro. place
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry the internet is never gonna forget about that uh, mr shapiro i, I apologize not. i hope not <laughs> so so michael uh what is our tip for good this week so this week we have another pretty tactical
1: tip for good um for you guys which is we just wanted to talk about a study that recently came out Um, from Duke University, where they tested the effectiveness of multiple kinds of masks. And so we wanted to just walk through quickly like the best masks to use and the worst masks to use. So you can make really good decisions about, um, you know, not only like deciding to wear a mask, but also what kind of mask you should wear. And so uh, to start off, we'll just list like the few best masks. So one is the number one um, best retainer of your germs is a fitted N95 mask with no exhalation valve. But we are not saying that you should go buy these. These are the kinds of masks that are used by healthcare workers because they are so effective. Um, so leave those for them. Um, but the second most effective is a three layer surgical mask. And these are, you know, while they are used by healthcare workers and they are used in surgery. Um, they are also pretty widely available. So, if you do find some, go ahead and pick some up. Um, the next is a cotton polypropylene cotton mask. Um, next is a two layer polypropylene mask. And uh, next down on the list is a two layer cotton pleated style mask. So, all masks that you would probably have to buy and pick up at a store. Um, so, you know, don't hoard them. And make sure to like take good care of them so you don't have to buy a bunch. But those are the best masks to use. And where where can we find this resource? You can find this resource actually pretty much all over the internet. If you just search um, mask effectiveness study, it is everywhere. It's, com- it's And it's from Duke University. So make sure cool. to look for that one. And just so you know, the three worst masks to use are a gator type neck fleece, so if you are a skier or, you know, have your winter gear um, or even like a runner or something like that, this type of mask um, can actually cause your, um, you know, breath to break up into even smaller droplets and it can actually be worse. Um, mm-hmm. Next on the list is a double layer bandana and worst mask is a knitted mask. No surprise there. It's literally holes <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and that's tips for good
1: so for our next segment we wanted to talk about the weird thing that is qanon so first off what is qanon
0: and why is it important yeah So one one thing that I do want to start with is if you have been noticing a lot of your friends posting about uh, sex trafficking randomly out of nowhere and about how it's really bad and we should fight against it, Mm -hmm. this might help to explain why that is going on. Yeah. Which like everybody is against sex trafficking except sex traffickers, (laughs) and it is a legitimate problem, and there are legitimate solutions to discuss. Which I'm sure that at some point Michael and I can will you know probably do a segment about Mm -hmm. which we discuss some of the solutions to uh, sex trafficking and you know uh, pedophilia and all that Mm -hmm. in uh, in the United States, but. But that's not really what they're talking about. No, no, they're not.
1: They're, they're really not talking not about, talking about they're
0: that. Just, like.
1: <laughs> they're not even talking about real problems. And that's, and that's the real source of all this stuff. So, so QAnon is kind of part movement, part online cult, part conspiracy theory. In fact, all conspiracy theory. But it has gotten a lot of traction. And it kind of started back in... 2017. And it kind of grew out of the, you know, some fertile ground within some conservative conspiracy theories, and started by referencing um, some comments that Trump made, actually. So, so during a photo op before this military dinner, um, he said that the dinner was, quote, maybe the calm before the storm. And when asked what storm, he responded, you'll find out. And since then, the term the storm is now used in QAnon circles as a euphemism to mean basically all of the chaos that surrounds Trump. That is actually a you know incredible complex master plan um, that is predicting the arrest of like a hundred thousand high level powerful people in government and entertainment.
0: Which never happened and will never happen. Yeah, you yeah. know what that. You know what that kind of reminds me of. That reminds me of that scene in Life of Brian mm. where he drops his sandal, and like all of his followers are like, "It is a sign. Yes, it is a sign. We must follow the sandal." No, and that
1: is that is so accurate. Which is why one of the reasons why I kind of referred to it as a cult, because it, it really is in a lot of ways. Um, so it was kicked off by someone claiming to be a high level government informant on 4chan with a screen name Q which uh, Because if
0: you're if if you're a high level government yeah. informant the place that you go to leak your information I mean obviously yeah. it's 4chan 4chan
1: yeah totally online message board <laughs> Yeah Yeah
0: there's there's an article about me on 4chan Really about about my autism YouTube channel that's, on 4chan <laughs> That's pretty cool So it's not it's not don't don't go to it (laughs) did they claim (laughs) that you were a sex trafficker (laughs) no 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 no, no. they claimed i was a fake autistic oh that's not cool yeah no it was terrible i had uh i i had some (laughs) yeah yeah you know just just some casual death threats you know some casual you know Mm. we should exterminate this guy it's like it's like he either he's not autistic or he is therefore we should kill him (laughs)
1: You know. <laughs> I remember I remember some of that pushback. I didn't realize it was on 4chan, but I saw a Oh bunch Yeah, it was of on 4chan on your YouTube yeah. channel um when you initially came out uh with a video about being kicked out of a hookah bar. Yeah. And I was yeah. it was like my first exposure to the dregs of trolls on the internet and I was oh, yeah. totally blown yeah. away. Yeah.
0: Um but part but, of the reason why I wasn't that nervous about starting a podcast is like, Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what a you do? got literal Nazis giving you death threats, yeah. like I mean <laughs> yeah and and 4chan me, is full of that
1: like 4chan yeah. is the uh it's the you know box of dirt in the back of a closet growing mushrooms <laughs> yeah
0: and it turns out it, it seems like QAnon might have been too extreme for 4chan mm-hmm. so they moved to 8chan yeah. which is like 4chan except worse yeah twice as bad <laughs>
1: yeah yeah um but it but it started to give you kind of a little bit of a taste of what like what people are making out of nothing here, it started on like the first tweet or the first post ever by um, QAnon was on October twenty eighth, And it posted HRC, referring to Hillary Rodham Clinton, extradition already in motion, effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged, effective 10.30 at 12.01 AM. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the US to occur. USMs, I think that refers to military, uh, will conduct the operation while NG navigated. Proof check, colon. Locate a, a NG member and ask if activated for duty 1030 across most major cities. It's like the... That's scary. It's like, like exactly. <laughs> it's the perfect combination of, like, nonsense and confidence. <laughs> that's like, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it's full of so much ambiguity that you can yeah. make... Like, anything out of it.
0: But it's really clear that what they're saying is Hillary Clinton is going to get arrested. Yes. Which, that didn't happen. Yeah. So, the the thing about conspiracy theories is that when you have people that become true believers, it really does get to the point where even if a prediction does not come true, Mm -hmm. they find some way to rationalize it. Yeah. It becomes a part of your identity because you're just absorbed into this rabbit hole to the point where it becomes a part of your identity. And we've talked a little bit about identity and ideology in the past, where once you have absorbed an ideology into your identity, it becomes so difficult to think critically about it. Because mm-hmm. if you think critically about it, if you think that you might be wrong, you're basically getting yourself to the point where you're saying that you're wrong. Yeah. You know, as in you as a person, there is something morally terrible about who you are yeah and the thing is that
1: like most the power of conspiracy theories partially is in their ability to make sense out of nothing you know like that is the power of a lot of made-up things
0: or to give reason or order to a disorderly world yes one of the biggest things that i read while researching this is that The big exacerbation of the QAnon conspiracy theory has been coronavirus, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you might think, like, what the hell? Like, how, like, what does coronavirus have to do with child sex trafficking? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the answer is, of course, it has nothing to do with that. But the thing is, when people are in some type of terrible situation, when people are in desperate times, Mm -hmm. they find things to cling to. Yeah. So it creates this ripe place for conspiracy theories. So part of the conspiracy theory behind uh, QAnon in association with coronavirus is basically that coronavirus is just a distraction yes. from what's really going on, yeah. which is all of these high-ranking Democrats and Hollywood officials that are involved in a global sex trafficking yeah. rate. Yeah,
1: and it it, it enables... People that are feeling insecure and feeling scared to believe that Trump has everything under control. Because the main tenet is that um, Trump is playing, you know, three, you know, three uh, dimensional chess on steroids, and is like totally in control of everything, literally everything. Not just like the things that he actually has influence over all the time. One one of the major like beliefs is that. There's never been chaos in Trump's White House, and that yeah. it's just, it's all just a cover to enable Trump, and previously in, in collaboration with Robert Mueller, apparently, uh, to expose thousands of pedophiles hidden in plain sight, including Bill and Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Tom Hanks, and Chrissy Teigen, and that they'll soon be and under arrest.
0: and pope francis apparently yeah pope well that you might actually be able to believe well but here's the thing though this is the confusing part so pope francis actually in 2019 um he actually uh launched an an initiative Mm -hmm. to end top secret status for sexual abuse cases yeah in order to create more transparency within the catholic church Mm -hmm. so the guy that they're accusing of covering up a massive sex trafficking ring mm-hmm. incorporated a new policy in order to basically become more transparent mm-hmm. about a m- massive sex abuse conspiracy cover up.
1: But, but like, <laughs> imagine if you were a believer in QAnon, how easy that would be to fold that into the universe of beliefs in a compatible way. You could say, yeah. you could say that well, that is just him being publicly transparent and privately, you know, he's just trying to have plausible deniability. You could say that he only did that because Trump pressured him to do that because he's been so effective and so he needs to save face. Like, the the yeah. fact is that once you have abandoned the requirements of fact and reason, you can tie these things together in convincing ways.
0: Yeah. And... Honestly, the more I, I read about QAnon, just the weirder that it got. Yeah, like I knew about the fact that they thought that there was this massive conspiracy theory about sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, it gets even crazier than that. Uh, apparently, they think that uh, <laughs> they think that these people who are engaged in sex trafficking and sexual abuse of children they claim that they extract the chemical adrenochrome from the blood of childhood victims. And because they're abused children, that that makes it. So uh, if they ingest it, it will extend their lives. Mm. It's lizard people. They, they think that they're drinking. They think that people are drinking the blood of children yeah. to extend their lives. Yeah. And that's one of like
1: the main <sighs> beliefs. And this and side yeah. beliefs are like the CIA put King jong Un in power. Seth Rich was murdered by MS13 under orders from former DNC chair Demi Washerman Schultz. Um, some of them believe that uh, that a lot of these sex traffickers are actually currently in Guantanamo Bay, and that many Democrats are actually wearing ankle monitors because they're already secre- secretly under arrest.
0: You can't argue with these people. I mean, yeah, it's that's the that's the hardest thing. Like, and. The, the, the other thing that's difficult is we also can't just laugh them off.
1: Like, And that's why we're talking about easy.
0: It's easy to look at that and just laugh because it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But remember when we laughed at Trump? Yeah. Guess who's president? Yeah. And we can't laugh at this because it's gaining traction. Mm-hmm. A lot of their ideas are becoming more mainstream. Yeah. Like the The fact that you are seeing a huge spike in your own newsfeed from conservative friends who are randomly c- caring about sex trafficking, yeah at this point, yep. The fact that that is indicative of the mainstreaming of a lot of these conspiracy theories. Look, again, to be clear, sex trafficking is a problem, and there are solutions that can be taken in order to prevent it, mm-hmm. and in order to save people that are involved in self-sex trafficking. Which I'm sure that Michael and I will, you know, probably take a second uh, at some point and do a segment about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there hasn't been a major spike of it, and there isn't some massive conspiracy. Yeah, about like that goes to the highest echelons of the government Mm -hmm. there's just there's no evidence about that and the thing about major government conspiracy theories or major government conspiracies is you can actually you can actually judge the viability of a conspiracy theory based on past conspiracy theories that have been uncovered Mm -hmm. because there there's a certain phenomenon in which the more people that are involved in a conspiracy theory the less time it takes for the conspiracy theory or for the conspiracy to be come to, to become public, to become mm-hmm. proven, because obviously there have been governmental conspiracies in the past that have been proven. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the Bay of Pigs. I mean, Watergate. To, yeah, Watergate, the Tuskegee experiments. You know. Yeah, sure. Um, there have been actual conspiracies that the government has carried out. That's that's just true. But the fact that we uncovered those. We can use that as an area of study as a as a data point mm-hmm. in order to look at how plausible other conspiracy theories might be, yeah, and how long it might take for a conspiracy to stay secret based on the number of people that you claim is involved, yeah the way they talk about it is it's this global conspiracy that like everyone's involved that all all these Democrats are involved in, yeah. It would have come out at this point. Like, yeah. if it were, then it would have come out.
1: Yeah. And it's not, again, it's not like this is all sourced from someone, like, putting together really compelling thoughts and arguments and publishing them online. This is from someone, you know, posting almost gibberish, who is, like, anonymous and, you know, is a... As as like no reason to be found credible, but has somehow tapped into this willingness, this openness to, you know, deep state conspiracies. I mean, another one of his posts, just I'll read like just three lines. Mockingbird, HRC detained, not arrested yet. Where is Huma? Follow Huma. This has nothing to do with Russia yet. Why does POTUS surround himself with generals? What is military intelligence? Why do we go around the three letter agencies? What Supreme Court's case allows for the US and MI and Congressional Assembled or Approval Agencies?
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> Which by the way, she wasn't arrested, so again. No, again. It's just a lie. And in- and and the reason why you should be worried about this is they are actually trying to gain more power yes. they are actually trying to um trying to become a mainstream force yeah in fact as it stands uh there are 77 candidates for congressional seats who have indicated support for QAnon,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and at least one of them which is uh, uh from georgia and her name is marjorie taylor green is very likely going to Congress because yeah. she won her primary in a deeply red district. Mm-hmm. And this is a woman who has, you know, who's blatantly racist and believes the craziest conspiracy theories yeah. imaginable. She's, you know, she, she, she's a QAnon supporter. She has claimed that the election of Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar is evidence of uh, Islamic takeover mm-hmm. of the United States. Um, she has compared black lives matter to Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. Um, she has made the claim that George Soros was like coordinating with Nazis, yeah. which he's Jewish.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said, quote, QAnon, that, uh, that QAnon was quote, a once in a lifetime opportunity to take this global cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles out. That is all in.
0: And the scariest part is when Trump was asked to debunk this, to debunk QAnon, when he was given an opportunity to debunk QAnon, he said, quote, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. We're saving the world from a radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when the country is gone, the rest of the world will follow.
1: And now it's time for one of our favorite segments, Ass Hat of, of the, the week. week. So, Nathan, who is our asshat this week?
0: Well, Michael, our ass hats this week is a double deuce. Mm. A double deuce of ass hattery. It is Mark and Patricia McClowski. Come on down. Something tells me that these people are gun-toting racists. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what that could be. Mm. So there's a few things to say about these two people. First off, these are the two that famously pointed guns at black lives matter protesters Mm -hmm. with their fingers on the trigger and have actually been charged with a felony for doing that Mm -hmm. these are terrible examples of responsible gun owners because they broke three major gun safety rules number one you never put your finger on the trigger until you're ready to fire number two you never point a gun anywhere that you're not okay with shooting. So, like, you know, if you're just carrying a gun, you would point it at the ground or you would point it at the sky. And number three, a gun is a weapon to kill, not a weapon to intimidate. So you never point a gun at a person unless it is in self-defense and unless you are pointing at them to shoot them. Yeah. Which these were unarmed protesters. Mm-hmm. And thankfully they were not shot. Yeah. But look, these are just terrible examples of responsible gun owners. Mm-hmm. In fact, any person like myself that that loves guns and in in a lot of ways, I would consider myself, you know, very passionate about gun rights. Any person like myself would be very quick to distance themselves from the McClawski's to say that don't think of us as like them do they they give gun owners a bad name they obviously have never actually used those guns seriously because they're they're not holding them right they're not handling them right they're not using them right so naturally they spoke at the rnc yeah
1: (laughs) yeah they uh they had a lot to say at the rnc which to me is what really makes them you know the asshats uh one of my favorite parts was that Uh, Mark McCluskey was talking about um, that, you know, these criminals were, you know, rioting outside their house, and yet they were not, the the criminals were not arrested, the McCluskeys were arrested and charged with a crime, and it was so clear that it was like, these outsiders were in our really high-priced neighborhood, and for some reason no one arrested them, but when we pointed guns at them, which you know should be our God-given right because we're wealthy and white and standing on our land, we got arrested.
0: Yeah. Look, you know, if someone comes into your house to attack you, then defend yourself. But a bunch of protesters who were unarmed, yeah, who, based on all reporting, they were not committing violence. Yeah,
1: just walking on the street in front of your house.
0: Walking on the street in front of your in front of their house, um. So you point a gun at them yeah. and and look, look, if it had just been like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put the gun on my hip and maybe, you know, put the, uh, put the rifle on my back and just sit in front of my house with those in clear view, but not brandishing them. That would have been one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would still be racist because, you know, you're assuming that, you know, a bunch of black protesters mean you harm, but At least it wouldn't be a felony. Mm -hmm. And not to mention all the racial dog whistling. Yeah. Like they talked about how uh, Joe Biden was going to abolish the suburbs, which whenever you hear that, that's a racial dog whistle. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the concept of fighting against gentrification, redlining and segregation. Yeah. The idea of they're going to abolish the suburbs. Oh, it's because they're going to make it so that there's equal housing opportunities for minorities. Mm hmm. Like you can actually watch clips of overt racists during the civil rights movement, basically saying the exact same thing, Mm -hmm. but also saying the second part, which is they're allowing all these black people into my neighborhood. And I don't want that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, she, she, yeah, Mrs. McCluskey specifically said this forced rezoning, which just so you know, no one is proposing, that is literally not the case, um, would bring crime, lawlessness, and low quality apartments to our now thriving suburban neighborhoods. I love that it's, I love that she, yeah. It's. It's. what's funny to me is how much they are actually connecting the dots but refusing to see the picture like yeah, like like when they were talking to the police after the protesters walked outside their house, they thought they said that the protesters were armed and threatening. Like like just being armed was threatening. And it's like, well, when you have a firearm, that can be seen as something that's threatening. Yes, I'm glad you know. I'm glad you recognize that. And like, yeah. um, like they weren't even on their property, were they? No, they weren't. Now the yeah. the street outside was a private road. Um, so technically they were trespassing, but they were not on the property of the McCluskey's and, and with this really, so having,
0: having a, having a weapon is threatening. Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. interesting. And and tell me more.
1: (laughs) And when you point your weapon at someone, what do you expect them to do? Like that's, that's one of the most ridiculous things to me. It's like the, the impunity with which people um, often, uh, white people often, you know, really deep Republican people point firearms at others and expect them to stand there motionless and take it. You are literally yeah. threatening their life
0: and you expect them not to defend themselves. Yeah. Honestly, like the way that self-defense laws work is if someone has a weapon and they're threatening you with it, mm-hmm. you are legally allowed to kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So with that, congratulations to the McCluskeys for being our Ass Hats, Hats of, of the week. week. So now we wanted to continue our coverage of the conventions and talk a little bit about the happier Democratic Convention. Less dog-whistly, less uh, <laughs> insane.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, still still some platitudes and cliches, but that's mm-hmm. to be expected.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so there were a few themes. So where we talked about, you know, Trump's themes or the Republicans' themes being like Trump is great, Biden is evil and dangerous and communist, um, the themes in the DNC were kind of more typical liberal themes, like, you know, focusing on having a nice wide tent with a lot of unity, not too surprising from Joe Biden, um, an emphasis on Biden as being you know, the person that can bring the country together and beat Trump and stop him from kind of tearing it apart. Um, and it kind of makes sense that um, they'd want to have this kind of wide tent unity kind of themes, um, because they're kind of trying to appeal to a lot of people, right? Like they're trying to make sure yeah. they inspire progressives to turn around, turn out, they're trying to still appeal to moderate Democrats, and they're even trying to pick up You know, never Trump type Republicans, which is why they had people like Colin Powell and um, John Kasich and, you know, other Republicans speak on Biden's behalf.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about I want to start with the negative because I do want to end on a positive note, Mm -hmm. because ultimately I will say that, you know, despite what I said earlier in the RNC, uh, as the DNC did go on, I did like I, I did feel a lot better about it. I did feel a little bit more inspired and I did feel again, like they're not presenting all the solutions that I want them to present, but Mm -hmm. they're presenting solutions that would actually have an effect. Yeah. And that, that right there is important. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest negative things, and this got my blood boiling, they gave Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez like a minute, a minute and a half to speak. Mm Mm-hmm. They gave John Kasich more time than her. They gave him like 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you should count your blessings. You should thank the stars that she is even willing to speak for you all. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. What the d- fact that you have, you know, the fact that you have continued to just throw away incredibly important progressive beliefs Mm -hmm. and the fact that you yourself have said that you would you would veto medicare for all Mm -hmm. you should count your blessings that that she was willing to speak for you she she had already endorsed you and then there was this fake scandal that was created where first off um there was one that was created about her uh endorsing bernie sanders Mm -hmm. as the uh, presidential nominee which that was a procedural thing
1: yeah she had to nominate like, him right like second yeah. the nomination
0: because he was still going to get delegates because delegates were uh elected to the democratic national convention to cast their vote for him yeah. now not enough for him to get the nomination but that was a procedural thing so the the idea that she was going rogue mm-hmm. that's just that's just not true totally you know, made up yeah it's completely made up um And number two, there were a lot of people that were pissed off at the fact that she didn't directly mention Biden. Mm -hmm. You gave her like a minute to speak. Yeah, (laughs) Like, of course, she's going to try to focus on policy and try to focus on like a vision for the future. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe if you've given her more time, she could have talked about how Biden embodies that. Mm -hmm. But you gave her a minute.
1: Yeah, that's so short. It's so short.
0: You gave Republicans more time to speak than one of your rising stars. Yeah. What the
1: hell are you doing? I mean, you teach public speaking. Do you ever give someone a minute to speak? Like, what can you say in a minute? (laughs) For
0: the introductory speeches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my name is... And then it's done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. God, so so that pissed me off to no end. Hmm. Uh, One thing that was also a little bit annoying was... Um, again, as usual, there were, you know, there were platitudes, there were cliches, and there was also a lot of kind of revisionist history on the Obama administration. Mm. Now, look, I don't want to say anything too bad about the Obama administration. You know, credit where credit is due, you know, they did bring the economy back from a recession, um, and they did pass the Affordable Care Act, which even though I have a lot of criticisms of the Affordable Care Act in a lot of ways, I think that, politically they could have gotten a lot more Mm. and that in a lot of ways that shifted the overton window to the right Mm -hmm. it still was a massive benefit yeah yeah and they Um, helped shift the
1: window on lgbtq issues you know they got the iran iran deal um in place which again all of these things are kind of a classic um example of like they did what they could with what they had at the time we'd want to obviously go way further today but which is why it's important not to just elide over that history
0: yeah and also it's an, it is important to mention that i so i i do reject the notion that obama is the reason why we got trump mhm but what i do agree with is that the conditions that were in the country during the Obama administration, which you mm-hmm. know weren't all his fault. A lot oh, of them sure. were things that had been building up for a long time, like stagnant wages, living paycheck to paycheck, uh, massive income and wealth disparity. The fact that those were still a problem under a major problem under Barack Obama—that's mm-hmm. part of what led to Donald Trump. Yeah. And it felt like they were ignoring that. Now, one, one thing I will say, though, is that that's a criticism that I had during the primary. Mm-hmm. And it does seem that Joe Biden did hear that criticism. Mm-hmm. And he did reflect that in his own speech, yeah. which I appreciated. He did, he did make, it a, make, it a, uh, make a point to say that we can't just go back to the way things were under Obama. We have to push forward. And that was really refreshing to hear because it it was a little bit of a shift from his whole uh, primary argument of let's go back to the way things were under Obama. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that I thought was. Wait, did you have anything else negative to say?
0: Oh, go go ahead. Go ahead. Okay.
1: One of the things that I was kind of um, surprised by was the amount of time that they spent talking about just making a plan to vote. Which, like, I th- I thought was really surprising and, and made me pretty worried because, like, you're dedicating, you know, really important minutes just to trying to get people to work around the other party's efforts to disenfranchise and suppress voters. So, like, Harris talked about it. Ob- Obama talked about it. um, It was huge. And it was like, yeah, you can text the word vote to 30330 and get like, you know, a plan and reminders and stuff like that because they seem really worried that, um, you know, Trump's tactics to suppress the vote and and undermine it are going to be a a key problem. So the fact that that made it onto their list of key topics to talk about is really worrying to me.
0: Yeah. And the last negative that i will say because i i do want to i do want to talk about some positive is i do feel like there was a large amount of ignoring the elephant in the room mm. which is the sexual assault allegation yeah there was a major segment that talked about his work on the violence against women act which mm-hmm. is important mm-hmm. don't get me wrong it's absolutely important and there were a lot of uh sexual assault victims sexual assault survivors um anti-sexual assault advocates that spoke on behalf of him.
1: Yeah, not an
0: accident. Yeah, not an accident. And I just felt like, like while I was watching, I was like, okay, what you're saying is good. What you are discussing policy-wise for, you know, the Violence Against Women Act and, you know, other policies that Joe Biden is advocating for right now, that's good. Mm -hmm. But you're just pretending like this isn't there. Mm -hmm. And it just, it feels so dishonest to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know i don't know how you address that i don't know what they could have done differently sure but it was it was something that was in my mind while i was watching it and it felt i don't know it 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 kind of left a bad taste in my mouth yeah
1: yeah it's like they're so clearly addressing it without saying it it's like someone trying to like scoot around the issue which like i get to your point I have no idea how exactly you talk about something like this in this context, but, you know, trying to make the case without making the case is weird. It would be like Trump when, you know, bringing out a bunch of African-American supporters to be like, hey, look, I I got black friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which
0: he did, so... (laughs) so so let's go ahead and shift and talk about the positives Mm -hmm. because i think there is a lot of good to say about it yeah and there's a lot of hope that was instilled i would say because we really are living in a very scary time Mm -hmm. and honestly things were not great before the pandemic but especially with the pandemic Mm -hmm. it's refreshing to see Actual solutions, like not perfect solutions, not the solutions we want and not the solutions that we should ultimately settle for in the end. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, solutions that we can at least work towards that will make things better.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: A public option. Not great. Significantly better than what we got right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Significant investment into green energy. Mm -hmm. Not quite the Green New Deal. Significantly better than what we're doing right now. Yeah
1: um decriminalization you know, cr- of marijuana.
0: Decriminalization of marijuana, not legalization, still better than what we got right now. Sure. So so we can't I mean, we can be honest about our criticisms and I you know, we try to be on this podcast, but there's a lot of good to say and there's a lot of good that can come mm-hmm. from a Joe Biden presidency for for the country as a whole. And I really did feel like it was a lot more policy focused now yeah. you know there was a lot of you know joe biden is a good and honest and yeah. wonderful and caring man and let me just let me just show you this story about um this this kid who he helped overcome a stutter which look that's great yeah that really sure. is great and and look i i watched that and i have feels mm-hmm. you know a- anybody would have feels you can't like you can't watch that and not get some feels. Yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with what type of president he would be. Exactly, but in fact, he really sh- probably
1: shouldn't be spending his time as president doing that kind of thing. That would be almost <laughs> yeah, as bad exactly. as spending all exactly. the time you, at your own golf course. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, you're you're the president. You're not a speech therapist. Yeah. but but again, I'm not trying to criticize. Yeah. That, like that's not a criticism. That's we want a compassionate. The person the type of up there we do want a compassionate person. The fact that the president currently has clearly no ability to feel empathy mm-hmm. like the fact that joe biden is at least able to demonstrate that is super refreshing mm-hmm. the fact that he does at least give off the 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 type of candidate that listens to you yeah is refreshing and damn he had some glowing endorsements i mean michelle obama's speech mm-hmm about joe biden i mean god anybody who has ever had an endorsement speech from michelle obama should consider themselves one of the luckiest seriously like one of the luckiest bastards in the world you know yeah she she knows how to she knows how to communicate she knows how to stir a crowd Mm -hmm. Uh, i was actually just talking about like we were talking about competent communication in my class today and she was brought up as one of the you know, one of the more competent communicators and a great example of competent communication. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, official endorsement from Bernie um, and Obama, Obama, both um, at the DNC was, like, full-throated and wholehearted for the most part. (laughs) I mean, a lot of anti-Trump stuff in there, but ultimately, like, you know, the fact that Biden isn't who Trump says he is and the fact that he can beat Donald Trump and unify a lot of people is a really valuable part and the fact that he is you know willing to bring along a bunch of these more progressive policies at least more progressive than he was in the primary um is you know the thing that could make him a good president as opposed to just not a terrible president
0: yeah and and there are also a lot of levels that they refused to go to that Mm -hmm. i think differentiated them from republicans you know like we had talked about earlier um the democrats are trying to destroy america yeah like there was not a lot of you know trump wants to destroy america Mm -hmm. it was look the guy is incompetent and the guy's in it for himself yeah you know the guy is destroying america sure but it's not like he's this you know evil genius that is meticulously trying to destroy america because he's evil yeah he's not dr evil evil. (laughs) but you know yeah exactly like i mean he's obviously evil
1: he couldn't get a phd in evil his life depended on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like it's not it's not evil for the sake of being evil it's you know it's benefiting himself
1: which prevents it from being a caricature the fact is that donald trump is his own caricature so there's no need you know, you, you, you show the world and people what he does and he does the work for you, which is, has been a pretty good strategy so far for Biden.
0: Yeah. So, so I, I also apparently the DNC had a higher viewership mm-hmm. than the RNC, which, which I mean, to be fair, the RNC is not over. So I, I, yeah. I don't know exactly how that was calculated.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but also, thus far
0: the numbers I saw was like, uh, We're like at 80 million to to 15 million. Yeah.
1: But also like really key is that Trump's the incumbent, you know, he's a known quantity as far as what his presidency will look like. And his rhetoric hasn't changed, you know, no,
0: not at all. And we're in a crisis right now. And look, because we're in a crisis, I feel like there are a lot of people that do want, A return to sanity, Mm -hmm. a return to, you know, even if it was just like a return to how things were under the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. In a crisis that is preferable to this, the insanity that is the Trump White House. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I would say that I think a lot of what the Democrats did is going to end up landing and a lot of it did help give me a little bit of hope that, you know, not just that we could win, but that a Biden presidency, while not what I want it to be, could be, could be a lot of things that we need it to be.
1: And with that, we will finish up our episode by talking about our highlights. So,
0: Nathan, what's your highlight this week? My highlight this week is that my classes started this week, mm. which while that does add a lot more stress into my life, um, it's also very exciting because sure. I like teaching. I love my students. Uh, I, I think I got a really fun bunch this semester, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know them throughout the semester. That's great.
1: For me... My highlight was um, this past weekend, I was able to visit with uh, and help take care of uh, my new baby niece. I guess at this point, she's like five months old, Um, but she is absolutely, totally adorable and super precious. And so we were able to like quarantine and then go up and visit with her and, you know, changed a bunch of diapers, made a bunch of food, helped out on house chores, the kind of classic, you know, new baby kind of help out stuff so it was really wonderful and with that thank you so much for listening to the Perspectrum, and you'll hear from us again next week